With this subject, you're gonna get more kickback than anything, and I've realized that teaching this subject that I've had more problems in the last six weeks studying it and teaching it because I started teaching it with the fire and the police uh, chief station in Apopka, and then I started teaching it to the kids, and I've had more issues just with people and devils teaching this subject. And I understand that's because the name of Jesus is so powerful and what that name represents, the authority that's behind that name, that Jesus himself, it is as if Jesus himself is backing his own name, using his name, and that was the kind of authority that Jesus didn't take it back with him when he went to heaven. That, that name that's backed by deity was left on the earth, and he didn't take that omnipotence and just go, all right, well, that's, there's, I'm taking all my power with me. I love something Kenyon said. Jesus left all the power through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the earth and delegated it to the disciples and said, go do what I'm doing. And that's why, that, like Mark says, the photograph of the, the epistles is to tell us what we are supposed to be doing and how we are supposed to do it. And um, I love this subject because I, um, Brother Hagin says the deeper you have of a revelation of the name, the more, the more that seeps into your heart, the more powerful that name will become because faith is now working in prayer according with that name. That it's not just a rabbit's foot anymore. You are using it saying, heaven is backing what I'm saying. I don't allow this in Matthew 18. I bind this in Jesus' name. Stop working against me, and it'll quit. And um, we do that. I pray over this church. Satan, you'll not have this church. You'll not work in this church, and you'll not work in the people of this church in Jesus' name. And so the name is above every name in heaven, on the earth, in the earth, and under the earth. So every devil, every angel, every person, and soon people will bow to that name. But spirits have to bow to that name because they were already defeated. And so we talked about how Jesus got his name by bestowal, uh, by inheritance, and by conquest. We looked at last week that in the book of Acts, one uh, chapters uh, 3, uh, Peter said, it's not by my own holiness that's made this man whole and my own godliness and goodness by what I've been doing. It's by faith in the name has made this man well. So it says that Peter, knowing what he was carrying, said, I don't have silver and gold, but I do know what I do have. And so I think it, like Brother Hagin says, we should do an extensive study on what do we have because Peter knew he was carrying something, saying, what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he knew that he had faith to be uh, healed. I want to read something to you that uh, Brother Hagin was talking about that an evangelist was, uh, had gotten a revelation on healing, and he came to the U.S., and this was a very interesting, because we're going to talk about, the last thing I want to talk about is your and I responsibility, and then other people, dealing with other people uh, with the name of Jesus, and how does that really work? So we have an individual responsibility, and then people have individual responsibilities, and then the elders, the pastors have a responsibility to pray for the sick in the name, but what does that actually look like? But I want to start with this. A healing evangelist from overseas arrived in a hotel in San Francisco, and shortly after, a hotel manager knocked on the door of this minister's room. The minister answered, and the manager exclaimed, I don't know what we're going to do. People are lined up two blocks in every direction from this building. Hundreds of them, they all want to see you. They all wanted healing. Those people all wanted to be healed. It's recorded that most of them were beyond the help of medicine. Well, I can't blame them for wanting to be healed. It's just a man desires healing, health, and soundness of body. God intended it that way. The evangelist agreed to see every one of those people who had come to see him. He set up a special room, and he interviewed every single person, and he went through 143 people before he prayed for one person. A woman walked in. She had gunny sacks around her feet, swollen feet, and fetched his sores around them. The minister talked with this woman and determined that she was ready to receive healing. He laid hands on her. She was instantly healed. The swelling and the sores disappeared. It was not only a healing, it was a miracle. Why was this woman the only one in such a large crowd who was prayed for? Because the others weren't ready to receive their healing. Healing belonged to them, all right, but it was God, and it was God's will for every one of them to be healed, but they were not in a position to receive healing. Healing is in the same plan of redemption as, as salvation. If you were to bring uh, somebody to me and say, uh, pray with me that he'll be saved, the first thing I'm going to do is ask him, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If he says to me, no, I do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I don't believe in the Bible, then there would be no use of me praying for him. Someone who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God cannot be saved. And so one thing he's saying is that when he started, Brother Hagin started praying for people, is he would 
uh, locate them with what they're believing. You're not gonna just override people's will when it comes to the name of Jesus. Now, he says you can use the name of Jesus over spirits that are hindering people, uh, friends and family, and especially those in your sphere of influence. But he says the name of Jesus will not work to violate their will. But people do have somewhat of a responsibility and when you're praying for people on how the name will work for them. And so Brother Hagin said the thing that he would do is ask people just to find out where they're at. He says, do you believe in divine healing? If they say no, he said, well, then this won't, me using the name and praying for you is not gonna work. Do you believe that God can heal you? If they say, yes, I believe in healing, I believe in miracles, I believe that God can heal me, he says, then we have something to work with when you're on a one-on-one basis with people using the name of Jesus, especially in the area of divine healing. Um, so there are conditions and there's things that we will have to do when, uh, with people. Um, so I want to, uh, Luke 5.15, this is going to go into Jesus dealing with people. And I've been praying a lot over people and how the name works with people. And this is, I think the Lord's been showing me. Now, Jesus is, is uh, going around teaching and preaching. And in 515, it says, however, report went around concerning him all the more. Great multitudes came together to do what? To hear and to be healed by, the, uh, by him from their infirmities. So one thing Brother Hagin said in the book, if people don't even want to hear you talk about the gospel, they're not going to get healed. People want you to just say, I'll pray for you real fast, boom, be healed, and, and kind of wave a wand over them. But he says that if you can't even give them some scriptures, and so a lot of times uh, when I'm in the gym talking to people, I love the scripture, Acts 3.16, by faith, and his name's made this man whole. I just said, would you like to agree with me? Do you agree that, that we'll use faith, that faith in the name of Jesus, you can probably turn me down a hair, has, will, will make you whole. So I try to give them a basis, talk to them about the word. Uh, Brother Hagen would sometimes say, are you a born-again Christian? Well, if he's a born-again Christian, then he says, then you have rights and privileges in redemption, in salvation, that healing belongs to you. And he says that if people would listen to him, then they would get a healing. So a lot of times as Jonathan and different ministers, they'll spend two, three hours preaching at a meeting is because what are they doing? They want them to hear the word of God. It says Jesus went about teaching, you know, came together that they would hear and then to be healed by their infirmities. So you have, you can't, uh, Jesus did a lot of teaching, preaching, and then it says, then he would heal the people. So many times you are going to spend time talking with people about healing. You're going to sometimes spend some time instructing them in the word how healing works because you can't just pray for them and then expect that there's no faith for that person to be healed. Um, I think Paul was, was preaching and it says that he, the man, he looked upon the man and he says that he could see that that person was ready to be healed. So you can see faith in people. I'll be talking to people at the gym or about salvation, and sometimes I can see when somebody's really pulling on me that they really want to know about Jesus, and I can see that this person's going to get saved. I, I mean, they're asking questions. So there was a guy uh, last week at Evermore. I was working a job. We're pulling some equipment and bring it to the church, and um, I could. he was asking me, he goes, so let me ask you a question. Let me ask you another question. I want to know about this, and I could tell he was really hungry. It wasn't just like sarcastic, smart remarks about, oh, you're a preacher. Let me, let me ask you about prosperity. No, he was said, I, I really want to know, and I could tell that he really wanted to become born again. I prayed with him. I ended up praying with Mikkel, which was another employee, and then the next day, I took them some books that dad had told me, and because, um, you know, this guy really wanted to know. And the next day I talked to him, he said, I already started reading the Kenyan book. He said, that's a really good book. I could tell he was pulling on me because he, he was hearing what I was saying. And a lot of times you're going to, you, you think, um, I want to help a family member or a friend out. And uh, why am I on the phone with them so long, kind of getting through a lot of junk and I'm talking to them? Well, you're doing what Jesus did. He's teaching and he's preaching, but they have to hear the word. If people don't ever hear the word, uh, there's no faith for them ever to behold. So there is going to be um, some responsibility on people. And that's why I was watching Jonathan the other night. And he said that that's why I teach on healing sometimes for an hour or two hours. 
he says, Jesus taught, and then it says, and then he did what? Then he healed the people. So he says, once the, the atmosphere has been charged with faith, once I'm talking to people about healing, then all of a sudden there's faith and they start getting a hold of it. And sometimes, you know, he says it takes an hour, two hours. Sometimes he says it does take a seven-day meeting for people to come back and, be, and get healed. And it, there's sometimes more involved in, in a person's life than just, um, you know, a one or two hour service. It, it does, it can take some time. So that's a responsibility. So people, they're going to, there is some conditions that have to be met with the name of Jesus. So Luke 5.15 was, they had to hear the word. Uh, James um, 5.14. Book of James. Great, the great pastor James, who spends a lot of time correcting his church people. It's a great book. <laughs> but it is a good book because it teaches us responsibility. Healing never lies in the man's hands. It, it flows through the man's hands. And I think that's where people think that a lot of uh, ministers are carrying healing in their hands, is what Brother Hagin said. But really, they're a vessel or a conduit to be used for Jesus to flow. And that's why a lot of times their, their own faith can pull on that. James 5.14, it says, uh, I'll start with 13. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So I'll say that Brother Hagin said this, we've missed it by sometimes putting too much responsibility on others. The Lord expects us to do something. He said this word sick is a, is a sickness that's beyond that person's ability to help themselves, is what P.C. Nelson said. So he's saying, if, is anyone among you sick? So there are people that come in here sometimes that are baby Christians that are not saved or that they're only a few years, and he says that the PC Nelson says that word sickness is they are way beyond the ability to use faith for themselves. They need help. And so he says, get the elders of the church. This is the protocol. Call them in. Lay hands on those people. They're, they don't know anything about faith. They've maybe just gotten born again. So that, but, you know, people that have been here five, six, seven, eight years, now God is, you know, expecting that you have done something with the name. You've studied it. You've learned about healing. And so God's not going to do something that he's expecting of you, but you can pray uh, for people, especially that are older, that God would open their eyes and show them. And especially using the name with people, you may not be able to pray and override that person's will, but so you can pray that, number one, get Satan off of them in Jesus' name and hindering spirits, but you can also pray that God would open that person's eyes, that they would see the truth and that they would follow it. And so... Um, he would open their eyes. So your people are going to choose whether they want a blessing or a curse. That's going to be up to them. The next thing, um, you're, going to, uh, you're going to use the name. Let, let me just I'll go, keep going. To resist the devil. Actually, I'm going to start with one because I, I jumped. To, that Number two was you will meet the conditions with the name. But I'm going to jump back to one. You'll use the name to guard your thoughts. Um, Let's go to um, Philippians 4.8. I'm going to read Psalms 119. It says, the entrance of thy word gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. And the, we, there's another scripture, the goddess world has blinded people. So one thing is, is people need the word of God because when you, like pastor says, when you shed light on a situation, that's when you see the roaches and things uh, and a lot of times the light, is, it, the light is more powerful than darkness, so everything else will run. So using the word of God does help people a lot with healing because you're driving out the darkness with light. And they, people need truth. They need light when it comes to healing. And so um, in, in Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you've learned and received and heard, you saw me do, and the, God, and the peace of God will be with you. So I want to bring this up because 
Mark Hankins makes a statement, the first thing you'll do with the authority of the believer is use the name and the word against your thought life because Satan is always coming with your thought life. And the reason I want to tell this story is because when Brother Hagin got a revelation that um, he could use the name, especially in the sphere of his own family, family members, he said, I'm going to pick the black sheep of my family, which is my brother Dub. Brother Dub was the, probably the worst one in the family. Nobody think, thought he would ever get saved. And you, I've told you Brother Hagin fasted and prayed for like 15 years for his brother to get saved. Nothing happened. It only happened after he had a revelation that there was a spirit keeping brother, his brother Dove from becoming born again. And in prayer one day, he was reading his Bible and praying before a service, and the Lord said, use the name against that spirit. And he said, in the name of Jesus, get off my brother. And he said within, he said it didn't happen immediately, but within a short amount of time, his brother uh, got born again. And then his brother did kind of struggle back and forth with the Lord for a little while, but eventually his brother ended up doing some preaching before he died. But what happened is when he used the name, uh, he wrote it down in his Bible, closed it, and said, that settles it. That's what the Lord said. I'm not going to bring this back up again. I'm going to continue to act in faith and not go keep going back and using the name. He just said, nope, I prayed over it. That's done. So he got up uh, maybe a day or two later, heading to the fridge, and Satan goes, oh, you... He said, you really think your brother Dub's going to get born again? And so he said he started hearing these thoughts, like, you really think that worked? And he said he stopped, and he said, I knew that was the devil. And he said, no, I don't think he's going to get born again. I know he's going to get born again because that's what, the, that's what the name is, and that's what the Lord told me. And he says, and that settles that. He said the next day, got up to the fridge, same thing. Oh, do you really think your brother Dub, he's the worst one in the family. Do you really think he's going to get saved? And he said, I told you, Mr. Devil, I don't think he's going to get saved. I know he's going to get saved. I've already used the name. It's the name above every single name, and everyone will bow to the name of Jesus, and he is in my family, and I have authority over this. He will be saved. And then he says, and I didn't bring him back up in my thought life again. Then he says, the Lord told him, think on good things, true things, noble things, just things, and what is pure. He said, you have to guard your thought life because when you start using the name, Satan's going to come against you and say, did that really work? So what happens is, is when you're in the hospital, you get a report. He says, if you start thinking about the negative side of the report, eventually you'll start, you think so much on it, even though you're confessing the word, you'll start to believe what you're thinking about. Then you, once you get past believing on it, then you're going to start talking about it. So he says you have to guard your thought life on whatever things are good, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, because he says you can think on something long enough to the point where you start to believe it. Then you start talking about it, and then you'll have it. And so that's why he said you will have to, uh, he says this is, um, you'll guard your thoughts, but this is really with uh, the prayer of connection of staying in faith and holding fast to your confession of faith with the promises of God and with the name of Jesus, using that authority because you are going to be praying for your family. And Satan is going to come and, and show everything contrary to what you're believing for. But the Lord told him, think about the good things. Think, see your brother born again. See your brother serving the Lord. Think about good things in your life because if you start going negative, that's what's going to start producing what you're thinking about. So he said the name of Jesus is very heavily tied to what uh, Satan gets in the realm of people only in their thought life first, that's where he starts to work. And so you have to guard. If he can hold you in your thought life, then he can defeat you in every area of your life. And so, but we know Satan's a liar. So anything Satan says is a lie. He's been a liar since the beginning. And so you can defeat Satan every time using the word. But he, so um, let's see. The, that would be the first one was using the name of Jesus against your thought life, thinking on good things. The next one I did, we did that already, was using the name uh, to meeting the conditions. The last one, the third one is, you're going to resist the devil, 1 Peter 5, 8. It's interesting how the name of Jesus and authority and the authority of the believer goes so hand in hand with each other. And, and the fact that that's probably a subject I don't think that we hear taught hardly ever in the church. And I think that's because Satan knows that once you learn the authority and the name and how it works and the, the study of it, 
then he no longer has control over people. And you're you're and you're gonna and Jesus spent a lot of time uh, dealing with the unseen realm in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we're gonna do the same thing. And it's not like we're exempt from it. First Peter eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he, he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So one thing in Ephesians 4.27, it says, neither give place to the devil. So Satan already has people of the world. But the, the reason, but this is talking to believers where he's saying, you be sober and vigilant because Satan is looking for someone he may devour. He's already got the world, so he's looking for Christians. That's where he's saying you need to be on your watch. You need to be on your guard. Satan is looking for somebody to devour. He said you are going to resist him. So it is going to be your responsibility to deal with the devil, not pastors, not I, not anybody else. And many people want to pass that off that Satan is bothering me. Do something to get the devil off me. Well, there's probably with baby Christians that God will allow that for a short time, but if that person never learns to resist Satan himself, he'll be back. And like the Bible says that once he finds that room swept clean, he'll bring back seven others that are worse than himself. So you have to, do, you have to really um, teach people, you have an adversary of the devil, you are going to resist him yourself. That is your responsibility. That is how you keep your healing. And you're going to submit to God. You're going to learn to be obedient to the Lord. You're going to learn to walk with him and resist the devil. Um, Ephesians, uh, let's see. I'm not. I was going to read Ephesians 4, 27 um, through 28. We'll, We'll go through there. We got time. So this is going back to uh, a person's individual responsibility with the name of Jesus. You will spend. You will learn how to resist the devil. You will learn how to walk in the authority. Uh, let's do twenty. Let's do. I'll start with twenty-five. Put away lying, lady. Each of one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We are members of one another. Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Nor Give place to the devil. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that we may have something to give who has need. No let no word, uh, corrupt word proceed out of his mouth. But what he's saying is here is you are going to do something about the devil. God is not going to do something about the devil. Your friends are not going to do anything about the devil. This is your responsibility to do something. Now, we can encourage you. We can encourage you to draw nigh to God and to resist but many Christians, God is, after a short amount of time, he's going to put that responsibility on them to learn how to do that. Um, anytime Satan was mentioned in the New Testament, we are, uh, it's mentioned that he, we have already been delivered, and the individual believer is commanded to do something about the enemy for himself. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so one thing James is talking about is when you're using the authority of the name of Jesus, he says, you, your, your heart needs to be clean. You need to draw near to God. You're going to clean your hands. You're going to purify and don't be double-minded. Don't have two points of reference. One point of reference would be the word of God, and the one point of reference could be the world or a report. And so um, one thing Brother Hagin said with the name of Jesus is you have to be born again. Number two, he says you cannot have any unconfessed sin in your life because then your heart will condemn you with using the name. 
The last and the third thing is, is he's saying you must know your rights and privileges in Christ to use the name of Jesus when you're dealing with those situations. And so, so just to go over, because um, this lesson is not going to be a, a really long lesson because really that's all I wanted to get through, but I'll read something from Kenyon. Is that people do have a responsibility and many times we want to help people so much in their life that we, I pray for so many guys at the gym. And when Brother Hagen says, you may want to locate people where they're at, what do they believe? Are you a Christian? Do you believe that, that Jesus still heals today? And they say, well, I don't, I don't really believe in all that business. Because I've prayed for guys and it seems like you pray for them and it just, you know, it comes right back at you. And you're like, man, Lord, what happened? And remember the story, 143 people came through and then he said, I found one person who was ready to receive. So if, if um, some, and even with Jesus, what did he say with the centurion? There's, I haven't found such great faith in all of Israel. One person, and he spent, that's why he spent so much time teaching. He went to his own hometown, yet he said he could do no mighty work, yet he laid his hands on a few sickly folk and, and healed them of minor ailments. So then he went about teaching the word of God. You will spend time teaching people the word. That's why it's good for you to know it. It's good for you to know the authority. And um, last week I spent, you know, I watch sometimes a lot of healing evangelists and how they're praying for all these people. And then like this last week, like I was saying, I was at Evermore and ministering to these guys that work at this place when I was picking this equipment up. And I thought, while I was there two days talking to them, I got to pray with both of them a little bit. And then I, it just doesn't seem like there's anything miraculous and huge happening, like, you know, like you see on with the TV evangelist. And then I'm on the phone constantly at night. I'm talking to people. It's kind of funny. Sometimes I just get multiple phone calls. I was talking to Wilson, and Wilson was talk, telling me about the blessings with his work. He just, all this, he said, when he first started my job, he was, couldn't get any work. And now he just said, I got so much work now. I don't know what to do with all this work. And we've been talking about, you know, I have work, work, and more work than I know what to do with in Jesus' name. We'll go to the Father, you go to the Father, you do it. What? In my name, go to the Father. Ask that what? He may be glorified. So God is wanting you to ask, but go through the legal name of Jesus. And so he's getting blessed. And so we're talking, we're talking about, and then the Lord, we start talking about just kind of giving over and above the tithe. And giving offerings and expanding in that area and putting God to the test that, like, like Pastor Mark said, there was a reason that when um, Paul wrote that letter to the Philippian church and he said no other church was, was uh, open to credit and a debit account but you. He said, I wonder how they got that letter. That was a special letter to that church that nobody else was supporting him. And he says, and then he says God would supply all that church's needs. And so there was, um, you know, and, and Mark teaches so much on finances, and you're going to spend time with people, teaching them the word. And so I was on the phone with him, and we were talking about just kind of stretching our faith and, and giving and putting the word to the test. In Luke 6, 38, giving it shall be given. And so he's getting stirred up, and then he keeps calling me saying, I got another job, I got another job. Then I'm in the, my neighbor yesterday called me, and he goes, hey, can, you know, dad's truck's broke down, can we go to Chick-fil-A? So I'm like, oh, I'm doing laundry, trying to get a lot of work done. I'm like, let me take the kids to Chick-fil-A. So all the kids hop in my truck. But then me and Carlos, the oldest son, start talking. I said, did you read the books I gave you? He said, oh, I already finished them. He read Mark Hankins' Blood Covenant. He read This New Life. Uh, and he's reading some big books, and he's, he's 17 years old. And he said, I'm ready for another book. And so him and I, him and I, yeah. And, and so uh, I've been ministering to him, but it doesn't always seem like it happens in massive big things and this has been going on for a few years now that me and my neighbor have been having these talks and it started with what maybe two years ago I got him and his cousin born again and I started feeding him to the word now I'm watching a miracle happen in this kid's life but it's not happening over a very short time it's happening over an extended period of time that I'm now now I'm looking back to I mean I've been there seven eight years now and they've been there about five and um, it took me a few years to even get the opportunity but I prayed, I said, Lord, I ask you for my neighbor's salvation, that they would all be saved, that they would come to the knowledge of Christ. And I take authority over Satan in Jesus' name that would hinder that. And um, the girls got born again from the neighbor. And um, they started taking them to the Baptist church. 
And so I asked, uh, her name is Hemina or Gemina, but it's with a J, but it's Spanish, it's Hemina. And I said, how is church? She goes, I love it. I said, are you going every week? She goes, I go every Sunday. And they're reading the word. And her and her sister, Chastin Lynn, are, are reading the Bible. But I started praying over my neighbor and using the name of Jesus over him. Then another neighbor moves in, tried to get him to come to church, wasn't happening. I go in prayer in the name of Jesus. And then a few months went by. And then my neighbor texted me uh, three or four months later and said, hey, I got really good news. The two girls gave their lives to Jesus at church today. Now, they're, I, and, you know, they said, you know, we're praying, but I understand who's praying. I'm praying. In the name of Jesus, Satan, get off my neighbor. I, and, Lord, bring people across their path. And, you're, and like Pastor said, sometimes you're going to pray over people one day and pray over them again and pray over them again. Because, you know, like he says, move on Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe's at the pool hall. God moves on to go to church. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Next day, Uncle Joe's out doing something. You pray, Lord, move on Uncle Joe today. Pray that his eyes will be open to the truth of the light of the gospel. And so eventually God moves on people because somebody is, is, there's a mediator in the earth praying for them. He said in Ezekiel, he said, I wish that I found somebody to, on behalf of Israel to pray, but I found no one, lest that city become destroyed. And so God needs the prayers of people. He needed, he needed Jesus to pray. He needed Jesus to use his authority. That's the whole point of what Jesus was doing was teaching the disciples, go in my name and cast out devils. Take authority over all this gay pride stuff that's happening in America, that's happening over children. It is a spiritual war that's going on. I mean, imagine in three years how quick this is just like almost being mainstreamized to where it's in school now. I mean, Sean sends me pictures. He's working in the public schools, and they got gay pride stuff everywhere. Well, that's a spiritual battle that something has, a spirit has got in that we haven't used the name to resist that spirit to stop what's happening in America. And I believe that America will turn back the more that people are praying over the nation and, and using their authority that Jesus has delegated. Go, therefore, in my name, cast out devils. Go in my name. He said, I'm commissioning you. Go heal the sick. Go raise the dead. Go cleanse the leopards. Get them born again. And so you have permission from Jesus to go do that. So some, you start working somewhere, and they say, I don't, I don't like that you pray for people. Okay, well, guess what? Jesus gave me permission. Now, you don't say that to them, but you say, you know what? You go back behind and say, Satan, you shut up in Jesus' name. I'm get, I, call, I call their souls. I call them born again. Brother Hagin said he had to pray over his brother. His brother would have never gotten saved if Brother Hagin didn't learn about using the name of Jesus over his brother Dub. A Harrison House Publishing would have never pr uh, produced all those books if somebody did not pray over, um, I forget what his name was, but Buddy Harrison. And Buddy Harrison, like I said, would blow smoke in Brother Hagin's face, and he was a schizophrenic, and the Lord showed him there's three spirits he's yielding to. Brother Hagin said, and there is, uh, uh, you know, you have influence with people around you. The Lord brings people into your life. that They talk to you. You have conversations with them. They open up to you. And sometimes you can ask them, can I pray for you? Are you giving me permission to pray for you over this habit, whether it's drinking or, or nicotine or whatever else? If they say yes, then they're giving you legal access. Say, and Brother Hagin said, I just lay my hands on their shoulder and say, I break the power of the Spirit in Jesus' name. And he says, usually instantly they become delivered. And then you teach them. Now you, Ephesians 4.27, you are going to resist the devil. You have some responsibility in this. You, you know, um, it's almost like, and I hate, I don't think pastor probably would ever do this, but it's like, come up for prayer, but only if you've been here less than five years. By then, you should know the word of God. You should read 1 Peter 2.24. You should know the book of Ephesians uh, 1, 2, and 3, 4, 5, and 6. You should know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The New Testament is not that big. And have some basic understanding of faith and prayer. But the, you know, the problem is, is that We've, um, that, you know, the church is just kind of treated as we'll just wait till Jonathan shows up and he's going to yeah. go down the line and the anointing in his hands will do the, do the healing. Well, no, what's happening is, is he's in here preaching the word and preaching faith that Jesus is healing and he's going to heal you tonight. And then you come back seven nights in a row, Jesus is healing tonight. And then by then, you've gotten rid of all your, uh, people have gotten rid of all their goofy doctrines. Yeah. They've gotten rid of all their unbelief. Yeah. 
They're hearing that Jesus is healing the night, seven nights in a row, and boom, the last night they get a miracle, and they say, it was Brother Jonathan's, you know, prayed for me, and I got healed. No, you heard the word of God. They came to hear the word, and then it says he healed them. People are going to have to do some kind of hearing of the word of God from you. And so you're going to have to, like Mark Hankin says, you're going to have to carry the ammunition. If you don't ever get some kind of uh, word in you, then you're never going to have anything to give out to people. And, and it's experiment. I, I, I do my best with people everywhere I go. And, and sometimes I feel like dad says to me, you'll fail more than you will succeed for a while. And then eventually you will start to succeed, but you're going to fail. You're going to fail forward. You're going to talk to people and you're going to goof up all over the place and you're going to hear all the most goofiest things. And um, like the, the other day, the kids were asking me out there at Evermore, you know, they wanted to know how, prove to me how old the earth is. Is it 20 billion years old, 400 billion years old? We want to know. And I said, I can't prove to you right now that the Jews say it's 6,000 years. I don't know. But I do know this, that if you read the word of God and stick to that, you'll find truth in that. I can't prove to you how old, who's, you know, all the scientific evidence, and I don't really care right now. Because I understand one thing. The entrance of thy word gives light. Yes, it does. But I would share with them scriptures. Yes. And I believe that's what was registering on their heart, was the word of God. And they were asking me about the Roman Catholics and the Pope and all this stuff. And I can't answer half these questions, these guys, because I got two of them going back and forth saying, what about this and what about this? And I'm just saying, what I said to them was, the Lord, I just said, Lord, give me the scriptures you want to share with them. I'm not interested in arguing or debating over 400 million years, 20 million years. But I started using the name of Jesus over them as I would go back and forth on this job. And like Pastor says, the, the more he was on that job and everyone got born again but one guy. And so at Evermore, everybody's born again. There's four guys. One guy left, but now, there, now there's four again. And so Mikkel got born again two days, three days ago. And then the last guy is Hoffman is what I'm working on. And so he's hearing, he's hearing, he's hearing the word. And so I asked him the other day at lunch, I said, because I said, Hoffman, everybody here is born again. Are you ready? He said, uh, I'm good. Okay. But he will listen. He's hearing the word. Now, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and I will continue to do what I'm supposed to do in giving him the word. And I feel like the responsibility, if he stands before Jesus, he's heard the gospel many times. I, I, and... and um, that's going to be on him, but I'm going to keep using the name. I don't, know what's, I don't know what's hindering him from receiving. So I just said, Lord, I pray and ask in the name, give me wisdom with this young man. How do I get this one born again? I don't know where, what, if it's his background or what I'm dealing with. And so Brother Hagin says, many Christians don't really take the time when they're praying for people to say, Lord, I'm listening to you. What am I... Uh, do you want me getting involved on this person's behalf and praying this person's sick? What do you want me to do? And I just followed, and he said, just follow the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes the Lord will say, I've already taught that person, don't pray for them. They need to get the healing on their own. I've already been talking to them about it. Or you need to teach them, give them some scriptures. They're going to have to get this on their own. Or go ahead, lay hands on them, pray for them. Sometimes I'll pray for them, nothing will happen, and I'll go back and say, okay, Lord, about this person, what's going on with them. And then I believe the Lord will start revealing to me with these people what, what is actually happening. Because that's why that one evangelist, it says he went through 143 people, 43 people before he found one person that the faith was ready to be healed. She had nothing that was stopping her from be, um, being healed. And I believe that we, you know, I would like that pastor comes up and we lay hands on everybody and they fall out in the power and everybody walks away healed and there's miracles, but it's not that way. Because Jesus went about doing a lot of teaching, which means there's instruction. There's things we're going to have to learn. This, these two books, Brother Hagin's book and this one, was the one thing that helped me with healing um, after reading about blood covenant and righteousness. People struggle with maybe struggling with righteousness. That's why Dad um, will we'll sit with, uh, he sat with a family member, and we've done it for many, sometimes many days or uh, Lake would tell his healing technicians, go spend time with that person until you get them healed. Figure out what's wrong with them. Sometimes it'd be a couple hours. Sometimes he said it'd be a few weeks. Are they struggling with that they're righteous, they're right standing with God, that they, they don't feel righteous, they don't feel holy? Well, it's not based on how you feel. 
Jesus' righteousness is your righteousness. Jesus's, um, his holiness is your holiness. It says that if the branch is holy, it's because the root is holy. So you are holy. You come from a place of holiness. You're not trying. Uh, this is where I, I disagree with. I mean, I agree you should live holy. But you start from a place of holiness. Jesus is holy. You start from a place of righteousness. Now, you can fall from that place. 1 John 1, 9, Lord, forgive me, wash in the blood. But you're not trying to become holy. Yes, you are working some stuff out, but every morning you start from a place of holiness, and then therefore, as you renew your mind, it's easier to maintain that that place of holiness. So what what are people struggling with? Where are they struggling? Are they struggling that... um, that they don't know that healing belongs to them. That by the stripes of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross and redemption that healing was paid for. Are they struggling that they don't know that the name is above every single name? That it has just as much power as Jesus himself is using that name. And so when I read these books, that helped me for where I was at with healing. She taught a great class on healing, but this is what changed me because I had this purple rash that ended up to the bottom of my legs. I don't know where it came from. It's just pure demonic. It showed up a couple years ago, and I had it for about two or three years, and I couldn't get rid of it. But when I started reading these books, I said, Satan, you cannot place this on me in Jesus' name. You have to get off in the name of Jesus. And that's when I saw within uh, two or three months from reading these books, I saw my legs completely get healed. And the Lord gave me some revelation on how, on showed me what to do. So there, you will spend... The thing with people is you're going to spend time with people. You're going to spend time helping them in the word. That's why Jesus spent so much time teaching people. I think we, many ministries will give a lot of um, time to talking about the healing ministry of Jesus. But what about the teaching ministry of Jesus? What about the preaching ministry of Jesus? What does preaching do? Preaching encourages you to, and motivates you to act on what you already know. Teaching you is giving you new information you may not in Revelation you don't know. And then the healing part is, was the last part that Jesus did. After you've heard the word, you've acted on the word, then it says, then they were healed of all their infirmities and diseases. So I want to read this um, about healing. My legal rights, when he imposes, when Satan imposes diseases upon me, I have a right to say to him, Satan, those diseases were bore in the body of Jesus, and you have no right to bring their photograph around me, to frighten me with them. Those diseases were unconditionally put away. I am free from disease as the body of Jesus when he rose from the dead. For I am in Christ Jesus, you cannot put those things on me. And if Satan should attack my body, all I have to do is call the Father's attention to the fact that disease must go. I am free. I know that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, then I'm healed. And if I'm healed, then I'm healed. I know that by his resurrection, I'm justified. I do not have to be re-justified, which means justified just means to be made right standing with God or righteous. I know that by his life I'm made alive. I am alive. I know that I died with him and I rose with him. I know that I am in him. By the stripes of Jesus I'm healed, then I am healed, and if I'm healed, well, thank God, I'm healed. No more to, I have no more to do with my healing than I have to deal with my resurrection, for he is my resurrection. He is my healing. One thing that he has a revelation of is that he's not trying to get healed. He's saying, I have no longer to deal with my resurrection. That Jesus is doing that. Then I have to do with my own healing. That's where you're resting in the finished work of Jesus and you're resting in the legal name of Jesus saying, nope, this was already paid for. I'm not trying and struggling to get this. I have it. I just simply receive it by faith. And that was the thing that Brother Hagin said when Satan would bring against his thought life your brother's not going to get saved. He said, no, nope, I already prayed. It's already done. He's born again. He's walking with the Lord. I, I'm going to rest in the Lord and put that in him, casting all my cares upon the Lord, for he cares for me. He said, don't bring it back up in your thought life to where you start worrying because now you're opening Ephesians 4.27. Now you're giving place to the devil. You're letting him in your thought life. You're letting him in your belief system, and then you're letting him in your words and what you're believing. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is my resurrection. He is my life. He is my healing. He is my health. He is my victory. He is my all in all. Now, I simply recognize the fact that he healed me in his substitutionary work. That means Jesus was our substitute. He took our place. Because of that, I am healed. The hour is coming when this kind of knowledge will be so common that men and women who are in Christ and walking in him will be healed the moment they are afflicted. 
Amen. That's amazing to hear that. And they will live in perfect health in body as well as soul and spirit. They will live like this until their bodies are worn out and they fall asleep in Christ. There's no more need of bearing about our bodies in sickness than there is in bearing about of our nature as unforgiving sin. One thing Kenyon said in the book, he says, you treat sickness like you treat sin because that's the same thing. I don't allow sin in my life. I don't allow uncontrolled thoughts. I don't allow sickness and disease. So if a person can resist sin, he says, then they have every right, the same thing to treat sickness the same exact way. I don't allow pain in my body. I don't allow sickness in my body. All that was paid for at the cross. So if you're not running around committing sinful, immoral, wicked acts anymore because Jesus is now in you, you shouldn't even allow uh, sickness in your body. But I think the thing is, is we've kind of put sin is that's easy to get rid of. And then sickness, oh, that's a little bit harder. And then faith to receive a promise is a little bit harder and it's a big mountain. When he's saying it's all the same. We treat it all the exact same way. And so I believe that when we start... Um, when you meditate on something, you're getting it into your soul. And, and they have a, Kenyon, this book is on YouTube. Some guy's reading it. And um, I've listened to it like five or six times. It's pretty cool because the more you hear it, the more that's getting into your soul. Brother Hagin says then when he would use the name of Jesus, he said he felt like he was using it from another place, not just as a rabbit's foot. But he said he felt like it carried a lot more weight and authority when he would use it with a revelation behind that name. And so he said he saw greater results in his ministry from studying the name. And so that's really all I have for the third session is you're going to use the name to guard your thoughts. You, have, uh, you, you will meet the conditions of the name, which means you're going to hear the word, and then you're going to resist the devil. And so the three sessions are real easy. How did Jesus get his name? Uh, what, why, how did they use the name in the book of Acts? They used it, I mean, just go through Acts when they would use the name of Jesus. And then how to maintain a place of using that name along with the word within other people's lives. That we, we won't always just wave the name over people's lives. You're gonna do some figuring out where, peop, where are people? Where are you at? What do you believe? What do you believe? Are you born again or are you not born again? How, how am I praying for this person? And spend time with people. And teaching the word of God is teaching, is doing the acts of Jesus. It says that as Jesus taught the people, we're teaching, so we're, if you're teaching somebody, you are doing the works of Jesus. Not, it didn't say he went around and healed, he healed, he healed, he delivered and healed. It says he went about teaching, preaching, and then healing, casting out devils. And so that's just congratulate yourself if you spend time talking with people. If you spend time sharing the word, you are doing the works of Jesus. And you'll see the miracle happen, signs and wonders following people. Um, to me, sometimes it can happen even over time, we'll be like with my neighbor. So that is the name of Jesus, part three. Do you have something to say, Pastor? I want to tell you a story. Say amen. Amen. Lisa and I were listening to a, a podcast this week about a, an atheist and an agnostic and his 20s that died and um, met Jesus. Jesus would not show him his face, and he let him know that he was going to go to hell. And he said, well, you know, and I don't remember everything, but in other words, it was up to him whether he stayed there. Before Jesus turned him loose into hell, he said, now I'm going to send you, but if, but I want you to remember this, one thing, if it gets unbearable, use my name. I want you to think. So he said, okay, you know, so this is a guy that didn't believe in God and he hates God and he hates Christians and then he meets Jesus after he dies. And so Jesus sends him down into hell and a, and a demon called Lizabeth showed him around and, and took him to different, he said, but every time the demons tried to grab me, harm me or anything, I went, Jesus Christ, he said, use my name, use my title. Use my name, use my title. He said, I was constantly walking around going, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And he said later, the demon took him to show him his cubicle that he would be in for eternity. 
and it was down there with Hitler and everybody else. He got to see people down there. Through it, he began to cry out and use the name. This is good preaching, y'all. And next thing you know, bam, he's back in the hospital in his body. Oh, is he a happy camper. And um, when, when, when the hospital got finished with him, they pumped his stomach out and got all the water out of him that he drank and everything. He went home and sat on the couch and said, I am an unworthy wretch, and my life is because of me. And you took my place, and I want to ask you to be the Lord of my life. Now, that's mercy. Boy, that's mercy. But I wanted to say that in the light of what Justin just preached. Think about the fact that even though he was an unbeliever, and sent to hell, the name worked. He said, I was down in hell, and this presence walked up behind me, and I thought, oh, my God, it's the devil himself. He said, when this man walked through hell, all the demons ran from in front of me, and then he turned around and realized Jesus had walked up behind him, grabbed him in his arms, and blew out of hell. But uh, he said the name worked. What Jesus, Justin was just telling you is this. Every day of your life, and I know some of you think you have problems with people. You don't. When, when, when the trouble begins, use the name. Just because Satan, stop it. In Jesus' name, stop. I plead the blood. Stop that. You don't do that to my mind. You don't do that to me. He gave you the name to use as a weapon. And it's a good one. If it would stop every demon in hell, it'll take care of that little wimpy thing following you around. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us, too, that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. 